0: try that in good morning everyone welcome to East LJ Baptist Church the good news is I'm not the pastor the second best news is I'm not preaching today so your lunch reservations are still intact and safe here at East LJ we have been captivated by Christ what that means is that we have we've come into a place in our life in which we've seen Jesus and we've seen his love and his grace and his mercy and the salvation that he offers to us. And we're just absolutely captivated by that. We can't, we can't forget what we've learned about Jesus. And it just walks with us throughout the week. And our, our, our prayer for you is that you'll experience that same thing. That you will be captivated by Christ. That you will see his beauty and his glory. And that will just control everything in your life. This morning we're going to have some baptisms. That's why I'm here giving the announcements. And Pastor Chad's back there in the back somewhere. But if you would, please, why don't you stand with us, and we're going to read some scripture this morning from Romans chapter 5 and 6. When Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter 5, he says this, starting in verse 19. He says, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased... Grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning and the chance to be here together as your family to worship, to pray, to sing to glorify you to lift our hearts and our heads and our hands to you in worship we thank you that this morning we get to experience the joy of our fellow believers being baptized publicly in acknowledgement of their faith in you we rejoice that we're in a church that still sees people coming to christ and being baptized father we give you the praise for all that you do in all of our lives and we do lift up this morning those of our congregation that are suffering physically or emotionally that have so many needs father we know that you are the great physician we know that you are the comforter and we simply come this morning and ask that you would take care of your kids so father we give you praise and glory for all that you're going to accomplish today and we ask that you would be here in our midst that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and open our ears and open our hearts to the truth that you have for us as we sing, as we pray, as we rejoice, and as we study your word together. May you be glorified in all that happens here today. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Turn, greet someone if you've not seen them. Visitors, if you're here, don't be surprised. Go see someone, and when we're ready to start, Joe will let you know. Visitors, don't be
1: surprised.
0: good morning all as you make your way back let's remain standing and we'll sing together we'll sing living hope
1: No, no.
2: You're so thankful for the living hope that we have today. We worship a risen and reigning Savior. And because He lives, uh, we can be rescued from our sin, made righteous before a holy God, and have the hope of eternity with Him. Uh, We come this morning to to baptize two young folks. Um, Just last two Saturdays ago now, um, I had the privilege and joy of uh, talking with Reese Bramlett. Uh, about his uh, relationship with the Lord and and uh, just uh, help helping lead lead him to the Lord. Um, been praying for Reese for uh, several months now. His uh, grandfather and parents had asked me to be praying for him uh, that the Lord was dealing with him. He'd been asking a lot of questions, and so at VBS he uh, I, I just had it was a joy to be able to talk to him and we talked through the gospel and uh, I said, uh, Well, Reese, are you? Are you ready to pray? Do you want to pray to the Lord? And he said yes, and he bowed his head and started. He didn't wait, and uh, he was ready. The Lord had—he—he uh, he was emotional that day, just ready to uh, make that, make that, um, that establish that relationship with Christ to trust Him uh, and and get that get that taken care of. And he did, and. Uh, just the joy in his, in his heart He's so clear on the gospel From years of many of you teaching him here But also of his parents teaching him faithfully at home uh, We just got to witness uh, that, that wonderful uh, exchange there As the Lord worked in his heart So, Reese, you come on Reese, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus and in obedience to His command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him in baptism, and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Pastor Trey's gonna come now. And good
3: morning. So glad to see you today. And uh, I want to go ahead and invite Kellen Carter to come down. Kellen was saved last week at Bible school. And uh, we, we prayed with her, and she also had a very profound profession of faith. And uh, tell them what happened to you, Kellen. I got saved at Bible school. Amen. We also want to say a big thank you to the man in the clouds today, Andy Bradshaw. He's up, you can't see, but he's in the roof here taking pictures. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right, let let's turn this way. All right, uh, Kellen. on your profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to turn it back over to Mr. Joe here. Thank you very much, everybody.
0: Before we start, I'd like for you to welcome our drummer today. Didn't know she could play. But we're glad you joined. Let's stand together. We're gonna sing to the cross. I come.
4: the slave is he worthy is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory truly love us he does the Spirit move among us He does Does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves? he loves Does God intend to dwell again with us to break the seal and open the scroll the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave he is David's ruler, the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe every nation and tongue he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son is he worth is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy is he worthy
2: Lord Jesus indeed, you and you alone are worthy. You came and lived a perfect life in our place and then you went to the cross to bear in your own body all of our sins and the just wrath and punishment of a holy God against those sins for us. You died were buried and three days later you rose again in victory proving that the price had been paid in full and proving that you were the one and only able Savior to rescue sinners from death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, we praise you. You are worthy. You have given us a living hope. Today and every day we will again dwell with you. You will be among us once again in the new heavens and the new earth and for that moment we long and we cry out, come quickly Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the joy of the celebrations of baptism that we've had the last two weeks and I pray Father that The gospel as pictured in baptism would be crystal clear before our hearts today. And that we would walk as your people in the joy of our justification and in the power of your resurrection even as you live in us by your Spirit. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Are we going to be dismissed to Children's Church? Yes. All right. Y'all go ahead and make your way to Children's Church. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And as you're finding that text, uh, we're gonna to continue to celebrate baptism this afternoon at two thirty at the Kusawati River. We'll give you that address later, and we're gonna be baptizing Mr. Chase Bradshaw this afternoon. Looking forward to another celebration there. Hey, how about the third string drummer? Huh? All right. We didn't know we had one until this morning, but anyway, thank you, Juliana, for filling in. Um, uh, brother Michael was going to fill in for Matt, who's out of town, but Michael's home, and Eva, uh, she's had, had dealing with kidney stones, so he wasn't able to be here today, and so Juliana just sat down at the drums and started playing, so there we go. Salvador was a Cuban spy. He was sent to Miami as a mole in order to learn military secrets from the United States government. However, Cuban nationalists with whom Salvador associated incognito eventually led this clever spy to renounce his loyalties to Castro. As a result, Salvador turned himself in to the United States government where they offered him asylum, protection, and a new identity. The government masterminded a murder of Salvador... So that Castro's officials would assume the death of this spy. And once this plan was carried out, Salvador was issued new documents, a new name, and a new life. Salvador could never again, after that moment, return to his former identity. And he owed his loyalty to those who had given him that new identity, that new Life. The same is true for all of us who have trusted Jesus as our Savior and by God the Father, through God the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit, been given a new identity and life in Jesus Christ. What we're about to dive into this morning, I just want you to understand, it has the potential to radically change the lives of. Even some of you here who perhaps have been believers for a long time, because maybe, just maybe, you're not clear, you don't truly understand your actual in-Christ identity. Some of you here today may feel spiritually plateaued. It's nothing kind of happening. You know you're going to miss hell, and that's kind of it. You're just kind of there. Your love for God has kind of grown stale. Maybe you still struggle with some of the same temptations and moods and attitudes that you have been for a long time. Or maybe Jesus has given you the desire to obey him, but it seems like you just don't have the strength in you to do it, and every time you try, you fail. Now, I just want to tell you, as a result of this message, some of those feelings won't change. You'll still have those days, but how you deal with all of that can indeed radically and once and for all change. Realizing who you are, realizing the new identity in Christ, that is the key. We're going to talk about this morning being dead to sin and alive to God from Romans where David has already read, verses uh, chapter 5, verse 19 through Romans 6, verse 4, and then also near the end in verse 11. Here's the truth I want you to take home. Really, the summary of, of this text. Because we are united with Christ and justified by faith in Him, we are freed from slavery to sin and empowered to live in obedience to God. Because we're united with Christ and justified by faith in Him, we are, one, freed from slavery to sin and two, empowered to live in obedience to God. Romans 5, verse 19, For as by the one man's disobedience, speaking of Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. It's not that there became more sin in the world, but when God's law was given, it shone a light on the sin that already was there, right? It spelled out what sin was with clarity. So that as sin reigned, verse 21, in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John Piper says, you don't become a Christian by going to church, getting baptized, and keeping the rules. You become a Christian by despairing of your own righteousness and throwing yourself like a helpless person on Christ for his righteousness and his forgiveness. It all starts, as a brother of mine was, and I were talking about this week, it all starts with being poor, Jesus said, in spirit. Getting to that place where you say, I am in trouble before a holy god and i can't i can't help myself i need a savior we talked to uh this morning we talked trey and i were talking with kellen and 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 reese about the fact that if you aren't saved when we dunk you in the water you're you're not going to be saved afterward because it's not the water that saves it's the righteousness and finished work atoning death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so Paul goes on in chapter 6 verse 1 and says what shall we say then remember he's just said that where sin increased grace abounded all the more when sin got magnified and amplified by God's law that spelled out you shall not you shall not you should you should and and we saw how far off from those uh, requirements of obedience we really were Paul says where, grace, where, 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 where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so in verse 1 it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul is just simply right here anticipating what seems to be, on the one hand, a very logical, albeit on the other hand, blasphemous question. In other words, what he's asking in chapter 6, verse 1 is, does the fact that justification, being declared righteous before God in Christ, is by grace alone through faith alone in the work of Christ, that's how we're justified. Does justification encourage loose living? Where sin actually is a chance for God's grace to shine brighter so no big deal how we live let's just live however because hey where sin increased grace abounded all the more Paul says is that what we should say and then he gives a quick and loud and strong answer in verse 2 by no means another way to translate that and your your, your, uh, copy of the scriptures may have it this way God forbid may it never be Tim Keller said, embedded in this critic's objection, this question, should we just keep sinning then so grace can shine brighter? uh, Embedded in that objection to justification is a fundamental misunderstanding of what Jesus has done. If you really understand what Jesus has done, then you would not draw those deductions. In fact, you would understand that the gospel, the good news of God's grace in Jesus, is dynamite that produces deep and massive change and our actual character and behavior, because it's not just a legal standing, it is the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ Himself. By no means. Well, then Paul goes on, says, that's not the answer, guys, and he starts talking about the reality that we are now in Christ, dead to sin and alive to God. Trey and I have just been talking about it this this week, and this morning and evening. What a joy it's been. And we'll be this afternoon with uh, Chase uh, as Trey baptizes Chase there at the river. What a joy it's been for us to be able to baptize eight mostly brand-new brothers and sisters in Christ in the last two Sundays. Anne, Stephen Carolyn, CJ, Brantley, Reese, Kellen, and soon Chase. Our passage for this morning tells us about all of the spiritual realities that your baptism symbolizes. Another title for this message could be, What is Baptism All About? That's what we're fixing to see from Romans chapter 6. Here's the take-home truth, and here's the summary of it. Because we're united with Christ and justified by faith in Him, we are freed from slavery to sin and empowered to live in obedience to God. first thing I want you to see from verses 2 and 3 is this. Our justification by faith in Jesus was also our death to sin. Our being declared righteous before God, that's what justification by faith means, was also our death... To sin. Should we continue in sin? Verse 1, by no means, verse 2. How can we who died to sin, Paul said, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, these verses do not teach baptismal regeneration, which is a teaching that says... That the water, being the act of being baptized, saves. Now you may be sitting there thinking, "Well, of course not." You know, you always say that just to make sure we understand. But of course not. No, do people really believe? Yeah, people really believe that in our county, and it's just not so. It is not the water baptism that saves us, that unites us to Christ. Spiritually, there's no cleansing power in the water. In fact, to have that understanding, you've got to completely ignore the, 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 the last three, the last first five chapters of the book of Romans, where Paul has been meticulously unpacking the amazing reality of justification by what? Faith. Justification by faith in Christ alone. Salvation by grace alone. One way we avoid errors like baptismal generation is to remember context. And so when you come across a verse like Romans 6, verse 3, you've got to look at the bigger picture of the letter to the Romans and and see what else is being said. Context is always king. And Paul makes it clear, what saves is Christ and Christ alone our water baptism pictures what has spiritually occurred through our faith in Christ you say so is paul talking about water baptism baptism in romans 6 3 or not yes maybe in the very least paul is using water baptism i think as an illustration Of a spiritual reality that happens when we trust Jesus. Is he he really having in mind what happens in the baptismal pool or at the river? I don't know, but he is indeed having, it is indeed in mind, and he's saying this is a picture of what's happened spiritually. Our old sin enslaved, condemned self was crucified with Jesus. Because Jesus was crucified in our place as our substitute. He's made that clear already in the book of Romans up to this point. It, and so it's, it, is though, it, is, it is as though we were there dying the death we deserve because Jesus died that death for us in our place as our appointed by God substitute. Hear me, the substitution of Jesus for you or me who are his followers and who trust in him today, was real. And it had real effects, amen? God appointed Jesus to be, Romans 3 says, the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He, he truly, in God's judgment and, and, and economy... Stood in my place. He died for my sins on the cross. And if you know him today, he died for your sins on that cross. So we have, as Paul says here, fully, truly died to sin, which means that we have been justified from our sin. Our sins have been punished, and we have been completely forgiven of all of our sins. And further, we have been declared righteous and credited with all of Jesus' perfection. That's a good place to say a loud, hallelujah. You're on the right track, Freddie. Somebody else say it louder. Amen. We have been credited with the righteousness, not just forgiven, not just back to, like, you know, even. No, we've been given all of the perfection of Jesus so that when God looks at me, when he looks at you, he sees you as, as if you are as righteous as Jesus because in his estimation and in his economy and before the bar of holy God, you are righteous in him. You're wrapped in him. You're clothed in his righteousness. Forgiven, yes, but not just forgiven. Declared righteous, credited your, your spiritual account before a Holy God went from bankrupt, zero, negative, to all the spiritual currency you could ever need before a Holy God forever. That's what happened when Kellen trusted Jesus. That's what happened when Reese bowed his head and led me in prayer. That's what happened when Chase prayed with his parents the other night. And in that moment, when we trust Jesus, we die to sin. Romans 6, verses 6 and 7 says this, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would, listen to this, no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Clarify that a little little further. This does not mean that we will never, ever again be tempted by sin. Or that we no longer have the ability to sin. It doesn't mean that we as believers will never sin from now on. Once we trust Jesus, never again will we sin. doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that the moment we trusted Jesus as our Savior... The moment we bowed our hearts before Him as Lord, the reign of sin, its ruling, dominating, enslaving power in our lives, it was broken. As Romans 5, 21 says, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we've changed kingdoms. We've changed masters. No longer is sin our master, No longer are we chained up to do the bidding of our own sinful nature. We've been set free from that. We can still choose to go back there. We can still choose to sin on occasion. But but now we have a new master and we have been enslaved anew by the grace of God to Jesus himself. We have a new ruler and we have a new resident power within us, even Jesus' own presence. In our lives. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the, the dominion, into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He, he's taken us out of one rule, from under the, the power of one rule, and brought us into a new kingdom, the kingdom not of darkness, but of light, even in His dear Son. Tim Keller says, Sin no longer can dominate us we now have the ability to resist and rebel against it. Now, we've got to make that choice. And that's a whole other practical side to this thing that we may not, won't have a lot of time for today. We still have to make that choice. But no longer does sin have to dominate us once we know him. We have the ability to resist and rebel against it. Our justification by faith in Jesus, hear me, was also our death to sin. And so when we baptize, buried with him in baptism, a picture of our justification by faith in Christ, his death paid the price, his life gave us righteousness. But even as Jesus died for our sin, we are dying with him as we trust him to sin. The chains are broken. Its mastery is no longer complete and and total But number two here this morning in verses three and four, our faith in Jesus united us with him in both his death and resurrection. Our faith in Jesus united us with him in both his death and resurrection. Verse three, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, that's a purpose statement, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when Jesus died in our place as our substitute, God considered it as us dying. He was our substitute. He died for us, but Paul says we were buried with him. We were united to him by our faith in him. And baptism pictures that that unity, that oneness, that union we have with Jesus in order that, why were we buried with him by baptism into death? In order that He didn't stay dead, did he? Just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, the text says we too may walk in newness of life. But that's just another way of saying that we too might be raised, resurrected, changed. And the result of that resurrection spiritually is that we walk in newness of life. We don't live the same way we lived before we trusted Him. Our faith in Jesus united us with Him in both His death and His resurrection. Colossians 2, verse 12, there Paul is discussing a very similar similar section of Scripture in Colossians 2 and Romans 6. He says there in verse 12, Having been buried with him, Jesus, in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, using this picture of baptism, he says you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised, but notice, it's not the water. What connects you to Jesus in his death and resurrection? Through faith. In the powerful working of God. What is it you're trusting for your salvation and and, and your, your justification and your union with Christ? It's the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You're believing God to do the same thing in your life that he did with Jesus. And just as Jesus died and rose again, God, as you trust Christ, raises you to life. Raises you to life. By the way, this verse, Colossians 2, verse 12, where it says you were raised with him through faith, this is why we as Baptists only baptize believers. Baptism in the New Testament always follows faith in the gospel, faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. And so that's why we baptize believers, because it is connected to someone who, is, who has put their faith in Jesus Jesus. Now, some of you are thinking and wondering, so that's, there's something in there about why you don't baptize babies. Yes. And if you want to know more about that, then come Wednesday night at 6.30, and we'll talk about that. As John Piper said, the newness of life is the life of day-by-day Trusting in the work of God The working of God How is it we walk and live differently Once we trust Jesus It's by trusting that the same power That raised Jesus from the dead Is available to us, lives in us By the spirit And will empower our obedience to him The great theologian of long ago John Murray said this Union with Christ is truth we're talking about Being made one with Jesus in both his death and his resurrection, union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. This is important. This is who you are. When you you trusted Jesus as Savior, you became one with him. United in his death and in his life. Does that not just blow your mind? we are one with Christ he lives in us but you see our faith in Jesus is not only transactional in terms of justification where we reach out by faith to receive the gift of his righteousness and God responds by making a legal declaration about us in Christ where he says 100% righteous, completely forgiven, 100% righteous, all of Jesus' righteousness credited to your account. Our faith in Jesus is not only transactional, it is also relational in terms of what Scripture calls reconciliation. Wherein we are reconciled with God and we experience His love, as Romans 5 verse 5 says, poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. That's a very relational reality is it not god when you trust jesus pours out into your heart his love through the spirit you know what that means that means that he 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 gives me by his spirit a sense of his love he pours it out in my heart because he lives in me And it's not just some legal thing before God, as wonderful as justification is. It is a relational reconciliation where I, who have lived as his enemy, suddenly feel the loving and gracious warmth of a father's hug. And I'm suddenly no longer his enemy, but I'm his son, his daughter. John would say, behold, what manner. Wow, check this out. What manner of love. What manner of love the Father has for us that we should be called sons and daughters of the living God. And reconciliation with God, which includes Jesus' living presence in us by His Spirit, let me tell you something, it has huge implications for how we live now. For our lives now. Just think about it. If He has come to live in us Stuff's going to be different. Amen? I mean, you really think Jesus is going to come to live in your heart? I don't understand how that works, but it's just as true as the chair you're sitting in. It's more real than the pew you're on right now. But if Jesus comes to live in me, let me tell you something, he he, he, he ain't going to leave you like you are. Hallelujah, amen? Thank God. But there's a bad problem if you claim to love him and have him living in you and you don't look any different. Because what that seems to indicate is maybe he's not in you because he don't leave us the same. He who began a good work in you, Paul says in another place, will do what? Well, just let you decide if you want to, you know, cooperate, just let you live how you want to live. Bottom line is, you got hell insurance, you're good. doesn't really matter what you do. No, it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion all the way to the day of Christ Jesus. Another place Paul says, little by little, the Holy Spirit is working in your life to change you from one, take you from one glory to the next, to change you a little bit more, a little bit more into the likeness of Christ. Now, will we ever be perfect or even close to perfect in this life? No. But if we're not growing... We're grieving the spirit of Christ who lives in us at a minimum. And that absence of growth and progression and movement in relationship with Jesus could in fact indicate that we just said, Lord, Lord, but we never knew him and he never knew us. The implications for our lives is the next point. Number three from verse four, our union with Jesus results in newness of life. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that. That's a purpose statement. In order that. Why? What was the purpose for us being buried with him in baptism into death? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk, live in newness of life. Our water baptism not only pictures our spiritual funeral, our death to sin and justification through the death of Christ, it also pictures our spiritual resurrection to a new quality of life that's empowered by the spirit of the risen Christ himself living in us so that we're being changed little by little to think, speak, and act more and more like Jesus. Every time a young person comes to Christ, I have a conversation with their parents, and this is what I say to them. And a lot of times we have this conversation on the front side. They come to me, and they, the parents will say, You know, little Johnny's been asking a lot of questions. You know, why do, how, what's the best way to handle this? And I just tell them this, it, you know, if they won't let it go, go with it. Because that could be the fact that the Spirit of God is convicting their heart there's a childlike curiosity at points, and sometimes, so if, if they let it go, then just let it go, until, you know, continue to talk to them about Jesus, continue to encourage them to, that they need Jesus, but, but don't push for that decision yet. And I said, but if they won't let it go, then go with it and allow them to, to pray or, to, and trust Jesus and, and, and so forth. And I said, and here's the thing, because parents say, but you know, they're young. How, how, do, how, do, how do we know? I said, well, the way you'll know is down the road. <laughs> because those who come to Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and He doesn't leave us the same. And if they truly trusted Him, then they will follow Him. Jesus said, follow me. And so as they go into those preteen and teenage years, mom, dad, then what you need to do if they start living like they don't have Jesus living inside of them, you need to tell them that they're not living, they don't look like a believer, a follower of Jesus because they're not what? Following him. You don't need to assure them that they made a decision way back here one day and that, so they're good. No, you need to tell them they don't look like that decision was real today because they're not following him. Now, here's the deal. Was that decision real? You'll never know. But the point is, nowhere in all of Scripture does the Bible ever encourage us to assure someone who is choosing to sin of their salvation. If you ever find that, let me know. You won't because it's not there. In fact, Paul says on more than one occasion that if you live this way, and he lists things that include all sorts of different sins, if this is your habit of life, These people who are living this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 John 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, that spirit of Jesus, abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning. Again, does it mean he never sins? No. It just means it's not his life. Because he has been born of God. I love what J.D. Greer says about all this. He says, the question is not just, this is a fine question, but the question is not just, if you died tonight, are you confident that God would let you into his heaven? But the question is also, if you wake up tomorrow, how is your life going to look different because Christ is in it? And if there's no difference, there's probably no Christ. Union with Christ means that everything that is true of Jesus is legally now true of us, too. We've not only got his perfect record of sinlessness and perfect obedience, we have the power of his resurrection. There is no brokenness, no corruption in me, in you, that the power of Jesus' resurrection cannot remove and remedy, heal and redeem. You can be set free from whatever that is. Our union with Jesus results in newness of life. But, finally this morning from verse 11, living in this newness of life requires, hear me, it requires daily, real-time believing God about our union with Him. To live in this newness of life, every day we've got to be trusting in our oneness with Jesus We've got to, in the moment of temptation, remember, Jesus lives in me. I have the power of the resurrection in me. That pull that I feel to sin right now, that I've always given into before, I don't have to say yes. I can say no, and I can say yes to the God who also is, by His Spirit, tugging on my heart, showing me the right way. I can, by His power, say yes to the Spirit of God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Where does this battle take place? You must consider yourself. With what do you consider anything? Huh? Your mind. That's why Paul in another place says, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's why scripture uses the imagery of the helmet of salvation. What does a helmet protect? Your head, just where your brain is. It protects your mind. The battle is in the mind. And Paul said, this thing of following Jesus takes a lot of thinking. If you don't like thinking, you got trouble following Jesus. Amen. you got to think a lot. Paul's told us we're dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so what that means practically tomorrow morning is, this afternoon, you must consider yourselves. You've got to think this way. What you know, you've got you to call up and consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You've got to reckon yourself dead to sin. You've got to count yourself in the moment dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. On the basis of your union with Jesus And all that he is and has done for you, count yourself as dead to sin and alive to God. In other words, believe in the moment and in the moments as they they unfold what God has been telling you in these verses. That because you're united forever with Jesus, you are dead to sin, both its penalty and its power, and that you are raised to a new quality of life called holiness and you can live in it. You can really say yes to Jesus and do what is right before holy God. And believing this, in that moment, take the practical steps into obedience that you face throughout each day. Just a few examples. Because you're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, you can trust God and make a choice in His power this afternoon to not respond with harsh words to your spouse or your children. You can actually overcome your anger and that mouth. You can. Now, is this just some strong-willed biting of the tongue? No. This is a recalling of the gospel and a recalling what God has done for you in Christ. This 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 is the kind of thing that I'm not saying once and for all, but in the moment can and just melt that anger away because you realize God's grace to you. And when I think about what God's done for me in Jesus, guess what? It's a whole lot easier for me to forgive somebody else for what they've just done to me. Not only that, I'm just a whole lot less irritable in general. Amen? And let me just tell you the secret behind that that little part. It's because I'm not running around trying to be somebody before God. I know who I am in Jesus, and He's done it all for me. And every time I try to be somebody and try to get my act together and try to do this, try to do that, it's a colossal fail. (laughs) Just rest in him. It means that tomorrow at work, you can go out of your way to encourage, and God will give you the power and the words and a genuine heart to encourage that hard to deal with coworker. Anybody got one? They're not here. Raise your hand. (laughs) I'm not asking for names. (laughs) We all got one. You know what? You know why God put you where he put you at, at, in that job? You, you put your hand down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm the best boss ever. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be talking about you, Julian. No, I'm, I'm kidding. If he was talking about anybody, he's was talking about me, believe me. Oh. Um, man, you messed me all up now, Trey. Let's see here. Um, you know why God put you where you are at work? because that person that person here's the deal everybody knows who they are everybody knows how they act everybody feels the same way about them that you do but you know the difference in you and everybody you've been buried with him in baptism raised to walk in the newness of life guess what he put you there because you can pour grace onto that guy's fire you can pour love onto that gal's anger and here's the deal, when you start doing that, there is no telling what you might find is under the surface, broken, hurting. and how God might use you to lead them to Jesus who can heal all those hurts. You can resist the impulse to take a second look at someone and turn your eyes away, stop the conversation and walk away. You can do that. He'll give you the power to remember how you've been forgiven and extend forgiveness even to someone who has 100% legitimately wronged you. He'll give you that power. Understand, you can resist, rebel, and overcome sin. Rebel against and overcome sin. You can choose to obey God when you're tempted, all because you have been and will always be united with Christ. He lives in you. Which means the power of the resurrection lives in you. It's stated so plainly in Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, he he repeats that. Did Did you hear that? He repeats that, just in case we missed it. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He'll empower you to say yes to God and obey him. Every time, if you'll ask him, if you'll let him. And Stephen Carolyn, C.J., Brantley, Reese, Kellen, Chase. Your baptism is a living picture of these things that we've been talking about today. Jesus commanded us to make disciples and baptize them. That's why we do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We believe, as we said, we baptize believers, but also we believe in baptism as Baptists by immersion. Because of our text for this morning, number one, we, we, we re- I really think Romans 6 is a picture. It's using the picture of water baptism in immersion of our salvation. It's a physical act of identification that pictures the saving death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for us Jesus wants us to go through that that act of immersion so that we can look back on our day of baptism and have a visual of what it means what 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 trust in Christ means and looks like further more than once in the New Testament there's reference to either going down into the water to baptize Acts chapter 8 37 and 38 Philip stories the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch This is why we believe in immersion. Why would they need to go down into the water? I mean, all you need to do to sprinkle is just get you a cup, right? Just a few drops will do. They went down into the water. Also, in another place in John 3, the reason we immerse and dunk the people as Baptists is a statement uh, about John the baptizer baptizing in a given place. It was a place called Anon because there was plenty of water there, John 3, 23. And again, you don't need plenty of water, much water, if you're just going to sprinkle. So these are some of the reasons that we believe in baptism by immersion. Romans 6 and then those occasions. For all of us, our baptism, your baptism, whenever it was, however many years ago it was, it's a point-in-time illustration of how our lives should daily look. It's not just buried with Him in baptism, dead to sin, but it's alive to God, raised to newness of life. Here's how Paul thought and lived as we close. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what Paul's saying? I died with Christ and was raised with Christ. And What that means is today I live by faith in him. Today I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Living in newness of life requires real-time believing God and about our union with Jesus. Because we are united with Christ and justified by faith in Him, we are freed from slavery to sin, and we are empowered to live in obedience to God. You cannot say, the devil made me do it. I just couldn't help it, if you know Jesus. Because the devil didn't make you do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can help it. You've been buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in of Fly. Let's pray together. Father, may we walk out the spiritual realities pictured in our baptism. May our lives look like a resurrection has happened. Thank you for making us righteous before your holy bar once and for all in Jesus. But thank you, God, that you indwell us by your Spirit and are changing us Little by little, day by day. Oh, how I pray for these that we baptized and will baptize this afternoon. Especially. But God, I pray for every professing Christ follower in this room. That we would realize the responsibility, the, 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 the gravity of this situation. That we are, we are to be living out what our baptism pictures. And if we don't see resurrection, if we don't see newness of life then God, may we examine our hearts before you and cry out to you and get it right. Lord, may we not settle for looking like we're still dead in sin. May we realize the danger that such a situation indicates. May we not be those who just say, Lord, Lord, but really never, never really trust you. God, even this morning, as we sing, call someone to yourself in salvation. Bury someone in baptism by faith in Jesus and raise them to newness of life. Declare them righteous before your holy bench and... Give them all of Jesus' righteousness. Forgive them of all their sins and and dwell them by your spirit. God, do the saving work that only you can do, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand together and worship. open for you to come, whatever your need may be. The doors of our church are open to receive members any way we can. If you need to know Jesus today, come to him. Be seated for just a moment. This morning we have coming uh, by transfer of letter um, Al and Tawanda Finucci. Uh, they have been with us for uh, six months I guess or so now and we have just enjoyed getting to know them. Um, they have already plugged in on a couple of levels. Uh, they're going to be part of our soon to be formed local missions committee. They're already serving up at the association. Um, just been a joy to get to know them um, through the, the membership class and Um, and so they come by transfer of letter um, from Altamaha I had to work on that with them Uh, took a minute, had to do some spelling Altamaha Baptist Church in Jessup, Georgia and so what's the pleasure of the church regarding receiving Al and Twanda? right. is there a second? All in favor let me know by saying aye Aye. and amen. amen and we love you because we do. We uh, just thank God and we believe what God says about the, the body of Christ and the fact that every member has a part to play. So we are excited how you're going to serve here among us and how we'll be built up by you. We're excited to have the opportunity to, to minister uh, as, as other, as we have varying gifts here to, to you and, and, and uh, you guys together. Um, enjoyed getting to know uh, Alan, Twanda. Um, for the gardeners among us, see, talk to Talk to Twanda. you'll have something in common. Um, for the ones who fix the garden, so the gardeners can garden, talk to Al. And uh, that's what he does. So, so glad to have you guys. I'm going to ask you to join me at the back af- as we dismiss so folks can greet you and welcome you into the church family. Several quick announcements. River Baptism today, 2.30 at 1047 Legion Road. 1047 Legion Road. If you can find Legion Road... Just go out Legion Road till the road gets really, really close to the river. It'll be the closest point thus far. You will see a deck hanging over the river, and you'll see a driveway straight in front of you. That's where we'll be. If you get to the Kusawati Gate, you missed us by about a tenth of a mile. And so come back and look for the cars. But you should be able to find us pretty easy. 1047 Legion Road. Tonight, 6 o'clock cry out to Jesus prayer service. I I encourage all of our church members, join your church family at least one one, uh, Sunday evening of the month, 6 o'clock, for joint uh, and corporate prayer together as we cry out to Jesus uh, tonight. We'll be praying especially for our nation and uh, and, and the church of Christ in this nation uh, in these days. Also, uh, there are on the table straight out through these double doors, some journals for retiring teachers. We have five retiring Sunday school teachers, if you will, have served for decades in our church. Um, And so just stop by there. There's names out there. Stop by there. and uh, In writing in those journals, express your love and appreciation for the ministries uh, of these Sunday school teachers that have put so much, uh, invested so much truth into the lives of those uh, in our church family. Also, on your way out today, as we receive our regular offering, we'll also be receiving a special offering for New Beginnings Transitional Housing Ministry. This is, we do that about once a year at this time. But what's different this year is that Faith, Hope, and Charity Thrift Store has pledged matching funds of up to, of up, of up to $100,000. So if the special offering that, that New Beginnings is receiving through various churches uh, reaches $100,000, Faith, hope, and charity thrift store will match that, and that will provide in, an increase, much-needed available housing uh, to those who need that kind of that kind of housing in our community. So, um, what an opportunity! So, give generously and joyfully this morning on your way out. Also, next Sunday morning, July the tenth, immediately following worship, we will have our monthly conference. Um, also, immediately following conference next Sunday, we will have an ILC meeting, our International Learning C- Center meeting. We will be resuming that in September, so we'll be discussing about discussing some logistics and so forth at that time. And then finally, just put this on your calendar a little bit way a little ways out yet, but getting closer. Our homecoming is Sunday, August the 14th. It'll start at 10 o'clock that morning over at our cemetery with a memorial service there, and then services here at 11 as well as a potluck dinner on the grounds to follow. The church will provide the meat. You bring all the other lucky pots with good things in them for us to enjoy at lunch. Any other announcements that I may have missed? Brother Trey. Yes, we do. Thank you for helping me remember that. Kellen and Reese, come on down. Kellen and Kellen Carter and Reese Bramlett, come on down baptism certificate as well as a copy of God's word. Um, and we're just excited for what God is doing and continuing will continue to do in y'all's lives. Thank you, Pastor Trey. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Alan Twan, I going to ask you to join me. And Pastor Trey sent you up, oh, oh, we got another announcement. Kathy? It is on the 10th, correct? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Mr. and Ms. joined join me. And Pastor Trey, if you'll dismiss us in prayer.